Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Psalm 78 verses 1 to 8 reads, Tell the coming generation, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to come before you once again um, in worship, Father God, and in gratitude. We just pray committing the rest of the service to you, Lord. I pray committing Pastor Sean to you, Lord, even as he comes to speak. May he decrease and may you increase, Father God. And I just pray that you will open up our hearts and our ears and our eyes to see and to hear from you this morning, Father God. We thank you so much for what you've done and what you're doing in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. Today, there are a lot of voices vying for the attention of our children and in some way, discipling them. It could be the radio, the television, magazines, phone or computer, or children are facing a multitude of influences impacting how they think or who or what to believe. The Bible, however, teaches that in God's order, it is parents who have the primary responsibility for teaching children the truth about God and his will. The church family also has a very important secondary role to assist parents. Therefore, it is important for all of us in the church, married, single, young and old, to understand the teaching of the psalm we'll be reflecting on today. And it was read for us earlier. Um, let me pray. Father, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Thank you that you have not left us to hit and hope our way through this world. We have your sure and perfect word that is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. Speak through me today, 
And as you have convicted me, convict those who listen. May they be stirred on to greater trust and obedience to your word. Amen. The title of today's message is Parental Discipleship is Painful but Productive. And my aim is to encourage all of us in this important task of discipling children. The first point I would like us to consider is that parental discipleship is commanded. Let me read again for us verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he, and here's the word, commanded our fathers to teach to their children. The Bible is very clear about the discipleship of children. Here are a few verses for reference. The first one, Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 4-7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And the last one, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. As one author has put it, scripture has no room for parental neutrality. You're either doing what is commanded or you are not. Now, God does, not, does, God does not give us arbitrary commands. He created us. He knows what is best for us. And with this in mind, he commands us to disciple, to train, to teach, to bring up our children. Now, this doesn't mean that he has declared open season and we can teach anything that comes to mind. No. God in his grace has given us what we need for this calling. And in verse 5, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Now, Proverbs 19.7 helps us understand more about God's testimony and law. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's law is described as perfect. Now, what does that mean? It means unimpaired, complete, entirely in accord with truth and facts. The testimony of the Lord is described as sure, and that means reliable, verified, and lasting. So God has provided for us words that are reliable, lasting, verified, and that entirely accord with truth and facts. This is what we have available to teach our children. Now, would you want to teach them anything but the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Would you want them to stumble through life searching for it, or would you, or would you prefer to buffet them with the knowledge of Jesus? Now, um, I can admit that discipling our children is not an easy command for parents to follow. It can cause, amen, it can cause discomfort, hardship, or pain for the following reasons. 
Often we feel inadequate as we don't know what to teach or how to go about doing it. Sometimes the will is just not there, especially after a long, hard day at work, and I can attest to that. Sometimes other things crowd out our time, such as entertainment, riches, possessions, and our desire for them. Make no mistake about it. Discipling is difficult work. Work that easily gets pushed aside, but in some ways, Asaph simplifies the task for us in the psalm with some divine guidelines. What are these guidelines? First, we teach them what God has done. Let me read verse 4 again. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. Asaph uses three phrases to describe what God has done. Here they are, glorious, might, and wonders. He's telling us that we should share with our children the praiseworthy, powerful, wonderful things that God has done. Our children should be awestruck at God's wonderful works, and we should be too. What else should we teach our children? We should teach them the word of God. Verse 5 says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Asaph mentions the testimony and the law of God. The word testimony carries a general idea of a warning. So God's testimony tells us what is good for us and what can harm us. Law is a more general term encompassing all of God's word to us. And so, we must teach our children the works of God and the word of God. His law, his commandments, his warnings, his promises. Share with them the stories of biblical characters. Help them learn that these people were all imperfect, like they are, like we all are. And that their story is a small part of a bigger story. The story of God, who is both author and hero. Most importantly, teach them about the gospel. Where did they come from? Why did things go so wrong? Who came to put things right? And as you humbly teach them, pray that they would believe and trust in Jesus as their Savior. Now, not only is discipling our children commanded, discipling our children calls for commitment. Verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Now, do you see the resolve in verse 4? Here it is. We will not hide. Brothers and sisters, commitment to discipleship is hard. It involves intentionality. It's a deliberate, moment-by-moment choice to stick to the task, even though we fear we might run out of resolve. It also involves substantial investment of time and effort. It is not like fast food, so don't expect quick results. It's more like jerk chicken. Takes a while to marinate, but the result could be more than finger-licking good. 
It requires your presence. We not only want to instruct our children, we want to influence them through what they see us do. Now, I remember a couple of years ago, um, myself and um, Pastor Dennis, we went to a mission trip in um, Trinidad. And early in the morning, I would see um, um, Pastor Dennis um, get up like four, five o'clock. And I'm wondering, what has he to do uh, with getting up at five o'clock? So one morning, I said, let me peep. So he gets up outside the room, and he goes outside in the open air. So I opened the door, give him about 15 minutes or so, and then I opened the door, and I peeped out. And I saw Pastor Dennis um, in the open area under a table where there was a light, and he was um, studying the word. And just that action alone spurred me on gave me greater desire and affection to study the word. Now, I say this for one main reason, that it's not only children that need discipleship and influence. We as adults also need that, okay? So when discipleship gets difficult, and it will get difficult, how do we persevere? We persevere because we love who we are committed to. Our commitment is not ultimately to our children. It is to God. How do we persevere through difficult times? Through the strength that God provides. Colossians 1, 29 says, We labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within us. We also persevere when we remember that God does not require our perfection. He has provided that for us through his son who died for our sins. He, however, requires our trust and obedience. So when exhausted, we do not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. That's found in Galatians 6, verse 9. So not only is discipling our children commanded and calls for commitment, Discipling our children leads to good outcomes. Verse 6 and to 8. That the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So here are the good outcomes of discipling our children. They will tell their children, and that's what we want. We want the knowledge of God to be passed on throughout the generations. Next, they will set their hope in God. This should be our greatest prayer. Not that they might graduate at the top of their class, become a world-class athlete, pull down a six-figure income, or get married and settle down. All of those would be nice, but if they do not trust God and put him first in their lives, then it is all for nothing. Here's another good outcome. They will not forget the works of God. This was Israel's problem, and so, and it's also ours. Israel had selective memory when it came to God's works for them. They conveniently forgot God's miraculous deeds 
on their behalf, and so they forgot all that they owed him. Remembering God's deeds is a wonderful incentive to continue trusting him, to commit all your ways to him, to look for his hand at work all around you. Remembering that God is good, sorry, remembering that God is a God of action will spur you on to good works as you allow him to work through you. Nurture your child in the mighty works of God and they will not soon forget them. Charles Spurgeon has commented on this verse, verse 7. He says, those who forget God's works are sure to fail in their own. Another good outcome is they will keep God's commands. Teach children the commands of God. Teach them his statutes. Talk with them about the consequences of disobedience. Share with them examples from scripture. Share from personal experience. This is important as it helps kids see that we need Jesus just as much as anyone else. Help them to understand the biblical principle that a person reaps what they sow. Explain to them the problem of sin and how none of us can keep commands on our own. Lead them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ so he can come and live within them through the Holy Spirit and enable them to live a life of righteousness and peace. Now here are a few takeaways um, from, our, from um, the text today. First, we don't need specialist skills to dis dis disciple our children. Asaph says, tell children things you have heard and known what our fathers have told us. Simple enough, right? So no need for any special technique or strategy. Simply tell them what other faithful and humble believers have told you and what God has told you through the scriptures. Our next takeaway is there are lessons to be learned from history. Brethren, Asaph wants us to learn the vital importance of passing along our spiritual heritage to our children. He says, we heard these things from our fathers. The reason we know them is that they passed them along to us. No, we must not hide them from our children, from their children. We disciple children to protect them from rebelling against God. In verse 8, Asaph writes, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. People rebel against God when they don't know his works and goodness. When we teach children about God, we're giving them the chance to make the wise decision, the wise decision, sorry, of trusting and following him. How about this takeaway? We disciple children because they do not belong to us. They, along with us, are in the line of continued generations which all belong to God. That is why the psalmist says in verse 4, their children. His children, he says, are not his own, but the children of his fathers. That is, the children of the covenant people of God who have gone before him. Not our children, but they belong to God, and we are stewards of them. And if we are stewards, then what do we do? What do we do? Come on, don't leave me up here alone. As Pastor Marv would say, well, we are responsible and careful with what we have been entrusted with. 
Lastly, if we don't disciple children, the world will. Well, not lastly. If we don't disciple children, the world will. Each day, our children are exposed to messages from our culture about how they should look, think, act, and what they should believe in. As they grow older and own their own phone, this exposure will increase. That's why it's important for us to help our children learn how to walk with Christ in a world that does not. One day, our children will stand before the throne of God and give an account of their lives. So let the love of Christ compel you to be the parent you were designed to be. Train your children in God's ways and words. Don't let the culture dictate how we raise the coming generation. We disciple children also because God wants them to know his word well enough to teach it to the coming generation. From our teaching comes their knowing. Teaching is not the same as learning and knowing. And the distinction is important for at least two reasons. One is that we cannot make, our t- sorry, we cannot make them know. Knowing is a precious thing. The kind of knowing that God has in mind here is more than mere memory or raw mental awareness. Knowing is being given insight into the real beauty of truth and embracing it for the treasure that it is. Parents and the church cannot make that happen. We can do our best in putting God in the center and loving and praying and teaching. But in the end, there's a gap between teaching and knowing that only God can carry our children across. So as you teach, pray that God will reveal himself in a personal way to your child or children. Lastly, we disciple children because our souls need instruction too. Often, instead of seeking God, we worship things. We look to our career, possessions, sports, our children's popularity and accomplishments. We weren't made to worship these things. Instead, we were made to worship God who created us. So as we instruct our children in the ways of Christ, our own soul will find refreshment in the truths of Scripture. As we teach, we learn. As we teach our children to worship God, we worship God. As they grow, we grow. Now, you you might be thinking, how does this message apply to me? Because I, I don't have kids. Let me give you um, four answers. It might not apply to you now, but it could later. You don't know if God might give you kids. If you don't have kids, one way you can apply this message is by praying and offering to support a parent you know in the discipleship of their child. Offer to come over and participate in family worship, read Bible stories, pray with and for their kids. If you serve in Hope Kids, understand that God has given you an opportunity to birth spiritual children by sharing the gospel and discipling through your service. You remember, Paul, a man with no children, called Timothy, my true child in the faith, because he discipled him. Lastly, parents, make it a point to invite those without children in the church family 
into the, into the discipleship process of your children. In God's design, parental discipleship is a community project, and the voice of another church member might have a bigger effect on your child than yours. We all have a part to play in helping children come to a place where they put their hope in Jesus Christ, who will never fail them. Um, if this one, Jamie, come. So, um, Karina and I have been um, blessed with three children, and we have found out that they don't end up where they do overnight. They don't attend a conference on sin and then return home with a sin resolve. No, they get there in the school of little moments. Moment by moment, they give themselves to things, thoughts, products, and people that influence them. And when those moments add up, they become like what is ruling their life. So it is with discipleship. It's not done in one go. It's a moment-by-moment moment endeavor. Now, Karina and I have imperfectly discipled our children over the past 18 years, but we remain committed to our calling, continually pointing them to the perfect one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray. So, Father, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that without you, um, we would be nothing. Father, thank you for just um, your provision for us. Um, you have done um, so many things for us, Lord, and we are so thankful. Father, I pray, Lord, that um, your word today will just stir us up, Lord, to good works. Help us, Lord, to really get involved in discipling our children ensuring, Lord, that our spiritual heritage is passed on to the next generation. In your name, I pray. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.